with George. Man, I love that song. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn back to Colossians chapter 3. I want to continue that message that we began last week out of Colossians chapter 3. And we'll begin reading at verse 1. And uh, we'll read down for a few verses. And then this morning we'll pick up where we left off last time. If you would, in honor of God's word, let's stand to our feet and uh, begin to read in verse 1. I want to preach on the resurrected life. Have you been risen with Christ? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh unto the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them. But now ye also put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Father, Lord, as we read the Word of God here this morning, we see the practicality of this Christian life. And Lord, we know that nobody in this room who's an old man can live, an old, can live a new man's life. And we also know, dear God, that an old man cannot change his life unless there's a resurrection. And so we pray this morning that you make it very clear. God, you bring an understanding like never before. Lord, Lord that we leave out of here knowing that not only are we saved, but, God, that we're risen with Christ, and that's made a difference in my life. I pray you help the preacher today, for he needs help. I pray you anoint me and fill me with your spirit. I pray you guard my lips and my mind. I pray, Father, this morning, God, should use me for the glory of God. I humble myself before you. I submit myself to you. I surrender all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated question is, in verse 1, is if you then be risen with Christ, the question is, is have you been risen with Christ? Well, the question probably would be more than that, is what does that mean? What does it mean to be risen with Christ? You might say, yes, I am risen. No, I'm not risen. I don't know. You know, I didn't know that was part of Christianity. I didn't know that was part of being saved, being risen with Christ. I don't understand all that. It's not real clear. Maybe you say, does it really matter? If I'm risen with Christ or not, how does it account? How does it become part of where I'm at and what I'm doing in my life today, 2022? Is it part of who I am? So it doesn't matter if I'm risen with Christ. And who does it affect and what does it affect? Does it affect it all? You say, if you then be risen with Christ, okay, uh, what's it matter? And what does it mean? And then... How does it affect? You see, being born again begins, begins by being risen with Christ. You can go through all the belief system. You can go through all the doctrines. You can live the correct way. You can have all the great behaviors, and you can have all the right conduct. But if you've never been risen with Christ, your, your Christian life has not begun. It only begins by being risen with Christ. Having eternal life starts by being risen with Christ. Eternal life don't start when you pray a prayer. Eternal life don't start when you get baptized. Eternal life does not start when you get right 
or you start going to church and doing the right things. Eternal life begins and starts when you get risen with Christ. We also know that you become a Christian, not because you say you are, not because you hold to the, to the creeds and you hold to the do's and the, the don'ts, and, and you take this image of what a Christian ought to be, and you kind of fulfill yourself, and you fill in the blanks, and you become all that they say what the Christian looks like, and how a Christian talks, and what a Christian wears, and where a Christian goes, and how a Christian sings, and you meet all that criteria, that don't make you Christian, what makes you Christian if you've been risen with Christ. So it's very important this morning that we just don't overlook this thought and say, okay, I'm saved. I pray the prayer. I've been baptized. I'm living for Jesus. No. Have you been risen with Christ? That matters. That's essential. So if you then be risen with Christ, it is a difference of heaven and hell. If you've been risen with Christ, it's a difference between being saved and lost. If you've been risen with Christ, it's a difference between an old man and a new man. We're talking big differences here this morning. And I believe in honesty that the church has been so watered down. The preaching has been so weak uh, that the preachers of our day, the teachers of our day, uh, they don't even care to tell you the complete truth or the, all the truth. All they care about is getting you to become a member of their church. All they care about is that you give to the plate when it's passed by. All they care about is that you are here whenever the, our church is, uh, meets and is available so that there can be a whole full room of people here. That's the matter of it. But the matter for me and the matter of this church and the mindset of this church and the heart of this church is that everyone be risen with Christ. That's the matter with us. Amen. And so evidently it is with Paul as well and so we're not going to preach what we've already preached but we are going to just say this that uh if you're going to be risen with christ uh it means this morning that you're going to have to die the bible says that in verse three for you are dead now in order for you to die it's going to be your choice to die we found that in colossians chapter 2 and in verse 11 in whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. And here it is, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You're going to have to make a choice to die in Christ. But now if you're going to be risen with Christ, there's a death, but there's a burial. And we find that that burial is in verse 12 of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. Buried with him in baptism, wherein you also are risen with him through the faith and the operation of God, who had raised him from the dead. There be no resurrection without a burial. There be no burial without a death. And if there's going to be a resurrection, if you have been resurrected with Christ, there's going to be a resurrection. Amen? You're going to require of a resurrection. God raises the dead. Christ raises the dead. The Holy Ghost of God raises the dead. And, of course, verse 12 says, Faith raises the dead. We find that not only if there's going to be risen with Christ, there's going to require a death, require a burial, and require a resurrection, but it's going to require a life after, a life after. And so we cannot just say this morning that I'm risen with Christ and there's no life after because you'll not find someone who dies and is buried and resurrected having no life, Right? That don't make sense to be resurrected and there's no life after the resurrection. So in order for us to be risen with Christ this morning, there's going to have to be a life after the resurrection. And that life is in chapter 3. And in verse, verse 3, the Bible says it's a concealed life. We see that where it says you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And so it's concealed. That word concealed means it's concealed in a place of security. And so the life you have after resurrection with Christ is a life that's secure with Christ in God. Now, this is a secure life, and we preached this already. It's a Christ life. The Bible says in verse 4, when Christ, who is our life. Philippians says it like this in verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says it like this. And the life that I now live. And so we find that there's a life after resurrection. 
We also know it's a certain life. The Bible says in verse 4, you're going to have a good life on earth, but you're going to have a glorious life in heaven. We also know not only the question at hand is, have you been risen with Christ? We preached on that. The question, the next, the next point is this, the quest at heart. So because you have been risen with Christ, there's going to be a quest in your heart. There's going to be something within you that has changed because you've been resurrected with Christ. You've died with Christ. You've buried with Christ. You're, risen, you're resurrected with Christ. Your life is with Christ. And so what is that quest at heart? Well, number one, uh, as we see it in verse 1, you begin seeking a heavenly movement. In other words, uh, there in verse 1 it says, Seek those things which are above. If you then been risen with Christ. See that if, hypothetical? If you've been risen with Christ, now you can seek. Now you're going to have heavenly movements if you've been risen with Christ. If not, you won't. But if you have, you will. And so we find uh, uh, that, that seeking fixed and focused. In other words, it means that your now movement on this earth is going to be heavenly. That heavenly focus, that heavenly fix will be heaven will dominate your decisions. Heaven will dictate your direction. Heaven will demand your desires. But not only as there were seeking heavenly movements, but we preached on setting heavenly minded. Verse 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. This is the basis of life. This is the balance of life. This is going to be the blessings of life. Three things. In order for you to take that scripture in verse 2 and apply it to your life, and say, you know, the only reason why I can set my affections on things above and not on the earth is because I have a risen life with Christ. I've been risen with Christ. And all that means is this, is you're going to think about the Creator more than the creation. That's, what, that's how you get balanced. You get the things of God because He created them, but you think of Him rather than that. You think of the Maker rather than what He made. You think of the giver rather than the gift. See, that's how balanced life is. That's how you get into the basis of life. Oh, yeah, I thank God for all the things. I thank God for all that's taken place. I thank God for the marriages and the houses and the homes and the relationships and the monies and all the good and grand and glorious things. Oh, but they're not higher and better than Him. Amen. So there is a balance and a basis of life and we preached on that and then we come to the place of not only seeking heavenly movements and setting heavenly minded but subduing heavenly makeup because we've been risen with Christ we now have a different makeup there's nobody who's ever who ever has died and is buried and resurrected the same as they were Nobody, spiritually speaking. Even Jesus, when he resurrected, friend, was different. And so we find this morning, if you've been risen with Christ, you're going to have a subduing, and this subduing is mortify. That's what the word mortify means. And you're going to have a heavenly makeup. In other words, you're no longer going to be the earthly as you were, but you'll be of the heavenly. Because of what the resurrection has done for you. If you've then been risen with Christ. So we talked about uh, this. Because of you have been risen with Christ. You have a heavenly makeup. Rather than the earthly one. And we see that your body is changed. Look at verse 5. Mortify therefore your members. Which are upon the earth. Now what's he talking about? He's talking about your body. Your members. All the members of your body, he said, mortify, subdue, subdue. And in subduing to that, you're going to be deadened to it. Because of the resurrection, you now have power. Because of the resurrection, now you have authority. And that authority is heaven, amen. The authority is Christ. The authority is the Holy Spirit of God. 
The authority is the change that you became a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. And now you have the ability. Now you have the, the very purpose of saying to those members, these hands, these eyes, these, this mouth, all that you have a member of, and mortify. Mortify. So when fornication would come into your path, you now have the privilege and the right and you have the power and authority to say, I died of fornication. Right? right? That's what he's talking about here. Your body's changed because before you couldn't say no to fornication. You had to participate with it. See, fornication was your lifestyle. Fornication was what you wanted. Fornication is what you've done. Uh, sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, uh, and any kind of sexual perverseness outside of marriage. And that was what you were part of. That's what you did. That's how you lived. That's what everybody did. Everybody had this relationship sexually with anyone and everyone at all times. It started when we was young. It started when we get older. It started later. And even then today we find that sexuality and fornication and all of that is all celebrated and it's all lifted up everybody can be with who they want to be and love who they want to love no you can't now if you've been risen with Christ if you've been risen with Christ you'll find that your body has changed that body friend of where it is you have the power to control your members in verse 5 you have that power and this morning, if you say, I don't have no power uh, to, to, to die to fornication. I've got no power to die to uncleanness. I've got no power to die to inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, friend. Then you have not been risen with Christ. You can't have it both ways. You can't say you're risen with Christ and you cannot subdue uh, your, uh, your fornication. You can't have both ways. It does not fit in the Word of God. You cannot be risen with Christ and cannot subdue your fornication. We find here, number two, not always the power to control your members, but you'll have the desire to control your member. See, whenever this is what makes the new body, you have the now the desire to do that. Before you were resurrected with Christ, you had a desire to be a fornicator. Oh, but now you have a desire not to be a fornicator. The fornication is still before you. The fornication is still the same. But what's changed is the heart. Amen. What's changed now is the body. And we find this morning the power over and control of the members, but then the desire to control the member, verse 6, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. What do you mean, Brother Larry? I'm saying that when you are not risen with Christ, you're still a child of disobedience. But when you get risen with Christ, you become a child of obedience. The change. See the change? Very clear. Very plain. Oh, it's mildly important this morning that you have been risen with Christ. We find you're no longer the child of disobedience and you're now the children of obedience. Thank God for that. But then only the power to control your members in verse 5. The desire to control your member in verse 6. But we notice the ability to control your members in verse 7. The Bible says, in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. See, when you lived in them, that's what you did. You walk like this when you live like this. Before you were resurrected, you had a certain lifestyle. Before you were risen with Christ, you had a certain behavior and certain conduct. Before you were risen with Christ, the reason why that you did what you did is because you lived that way. And that's the way you walked. However you walked is the way you lived. Amen. But now you've been resurrected with Christ. You can't walk that way no more. Your body's changed. You can't live that way no more. Your body's changed because you've been risen with Christ. And so we, we said a few things of those last time. And now we come to where we need to be this morning. It's not as your body changed, but your will is changed. Your will is changed. Look at verse 8 and verse 9. But now. 
But now, what does it mean, but now? Now you've been risen with Christ. Now you've been risen with Christ. So what happens now? It's a break. It's a change. But now, it's not a continuation. It's a break. But now, ye also put off all these. The will has changed. You put off. Because you've been risen with Christ, and now you've got authority and power to do so. And now that the risen Christ is living in you, the Holy Ghost of God has filled you, you find now that I have a will, and my will has changed, and I will put off these things. That's right. That's my will. I am willing now. And so we find in the way of a resurrection life, that there's a body change, but there's a will change. I'm just not willing to do that anymore. I'm just not willing to be that no more. I am just not willing to do this any longer. Amen? So we find in this resurrection with Christ, there's a will that's changed. And look, at, look I said it like this to make it real simple. Uh, the verse, the first one it says in there in verse 8, I will not be angry. You see, when you come up before circumstances and you have situations in your life and you get angry, that's your will. That's your decision. That's your choice. Now, we cop out. Because we're weak when we say something like this. The reason why I got angry is because of what you said. Because of what you did. Because of how you treated me. And you know what? You blame that individual for you doing something that God said put away. He won't fly in the court with God. Friend, listen, you got to stop making excuses with this. You were willing to get angry. It was your choice to be angry. You could have made a different choice and be right with God. But because you made a different choice, you're wrong with God. And don't blame it on those who made you mad. Amen. That's right, brother. A risen life with Christ is a little different than what it before. I will not be angry. That word anger there means violent passion. I will not have violent passion. I won't do that. Violent passion like what? Well, I get violent when I get angry with my tongue. It's like a sword. It just cuts. I cut them down. I call them names. I accuse them of doing things that they haven't done. I tell things to them that I think that they've done, of what I might think that they have said. But they, they don't, I don't have no proof of that. I will, I will look to them, and I will cut them with my mouth. I will cut them the way that I treat them because I'm angry. I won't talk to them anymore. I'm angry. I get in my car and leave. When I get angry, I throw things. I, got, I take things. I put my hand through walls. I kick my truck tires. I, I tell somebody about them in the way of, of saying, let me tell you how sorry my husband is. Let me tell you how sorry my wife is. They said that to me. Can you believe they said that to me? I'm angry. I tell you, I won't talk to them for another week. I won't fix their food. I won't go to work for them. I won't brush their car. I won't get no gas in their car. I tell you what, I show them. You know what you've done? You've shown that you don't want to be obedient to God. You want to be obedient to you. And friend, that's not the resurrected life. The the resurrected life is I will not be angry. Amen. Now can you imagine if God's people today would have a changed will because of the resurrection life with Christ and they all say I will not be angry. Can you imagine your home? Could you imagine your workplace? Could you imagine your marriage? Some marriages of people walking on eggshells. Somebody calls them. They can't even answer the phone because so-and-so's next to them. You're sick, man. I can't even. I got to turn my phone off because there might come a text. And, and somebody's texting me, and they might think that somebody ain't supposed to be texting. Man, come on, grow up. 
Don't you get with God? Won't you start living the resurrected life? Stop living in your selfishness. And you're full of your sin. Amen? Anger. Anger is destroying our church. Anger is destroying our parenting. Anger is destroying our marriages. Anger is destroying our world. When's God's people who are risen with Christ will just say, I've got to change will. I will not be angry. How about it? Anybody get on that boat? <laughs> Anybody cross that bridge? I mean, there ought to be every, every member in this church right now, every person here ought to say when their heart, listen, I've got, been resurrected with Christ. I am from this day. I will not get angry. It'll help us out. Number two, he says that will has changed. He said, I will not be wrathful. The Bible says there in that verse, he says, put off wrath. Now, what is wrath? Wrath is an outburst, an outburst. You know how you're talking to somebody and y'all having a good old time and, and something may be said or something may be done, and all of a sudden, I mean, explosion goes off. Well, I can't believe that. You said that to me. I mean, you just lose your mind. You lose control. Your whole countenance has changed. Your whole, your whole spirit is gone. It's, it's something different, bad, wrong with you. An outburst of anger is called wrath. God said, put away that. You've now been resurrected in Christ. Put away that outburst. Stop throwing a temper tantrum. Stop acting like a little two-year-old. Stop presenting yourself as some individual who's got no mind of how to live a life of an adult. There's no room in this church. There's no room in your marriage. There's no room in your home. No room in your work. There's no room in this world for you to throw your little temper. The Bible says it's resurrected in Christ. Put that away. You remember, what, you remember what it meant to be put away? That means to take off the garments that you have on. Throw them on the ground and leave them behind. That's what that word means. This morning the Bible says, I will change. I will not be angry. I will not be wrathful. Number three, I will not be have malice. The word malice is ill will. I will not be ill will towards my partner, towards my family, towards my friend, and even toward my enemy. I'm not wish ill on anyone. I'm not going around saying, I hope he don't get that job. I'm not going around, well, he don't deserve that new car. I hope he gets in a wreck. I won't go around, well, because you didn't meet my need and you do what I said, I'm not going to do what you want me to do, and I'm not going to be what you want me to be because I just want you to be miserable. Ill will. A resurrected life in Christ does not have that will. I will not be angry. I will not be wrathful. I will not. I will not be maliceful. Number four, I will not be blaspheming. The word blaspheme there means to tear one down. Tear one down. There in that verse, in that verse eight, blaspheming. Tear you down. I will not, as a resurrected Christian with Christ, I will not tear you down so that I can be lifted up. I will not cause you to have your feelings hurt or be, have, have me to come to you and to put you and cut you down and cut you way down where it hurts and pain and that you cry and that you be depressed, that you have anxiety because of me. I will not. I will not blaspheme. Now, don't that sound like a Christian to you? Does it sound like somebody today that you'd like to be part of their life that has this will that says, I will not be angry, I will not be wrathful, I will not be malice, and I will not blaspheme. I want to be around them kind, and I want to be one of them. But you've got to be risen with Christ. We find number five, I will not speak filthy. The Bible says in verse 8, filthy communication out of your mouth. 
I will not speak filthy. I will not do it. That might be a, that might be a sexual joke. That might be a crude remark towards somebody of an opposite sex. It may be a response or a reaction to somebody uh, that has said something to you. But I will not speak in a foul language. I will not do it. I will not. People who are resurrected with Christ do not speak filth. They don't have a garbage mouth. They don't, uh, they don't uh, uh, throw up nonsense. And they don't vomit stupidity. Amen. That's not the risen with Christ today. And yet we find it acceptable in many arenas today. Acceptable at home that when I get mad, I somehow have the freedom to cuss you out. Somehow at work, when I'm around all those others that cuss, I somehow have the privilege of cussing as well. Somehow, I have, the, I have the very privilege of watching TV. And when TV comes on and those cuss words that in Colossians chapter 3 says that I am to put away, that I'm allowing to come into my ears, allowing to come into my home, allowing to my family members to hear the cuss word, you're wrong with God. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? For you go against not only the scripture, but you go against your family whenever you're not that one that that will is saying, I will not speak foul. I'll not let it go on in my home. I'll not let my children speak that away to me. I'll not allow my wife and husband speak to me that away. I will not allow the radio and your rap music or the TV in all your little movies to take place and cuss and foul language and crude language take place because my Bible says this morning in Colossians chapter 3 that I'm to put that off. Now, if you want to be a weak father and you want to be one who's a weak husband and you want to be one who lives like an old man and not the new man, you go ahead and allow that in your home. But there's going to be ruin and damage in your home. Somewhere we've got to put a line and say enough's enough. Am I right? Filthy communications all over the place. But it shouldn't be with the resurrected one, with Christ. We find this morning the next, it says, I will not be a liar. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. The word lie means to intent to deceive. That's what a lie is. Intent to deceive. There's one great liar. His name is Satan. If you want to have the characteristic of a Satan, then lie. If you want to carry on the attitude as a devil and be a devil, then be a liar. If you this morning want to take on that this morning you want people to look at you, and when they look at you, they can think, well, he's, he's the old Satan right there. That's the old devil. We'll just tell a lie. Have the intent to deceive. He said, well, you know, sometimes you got to lie to get out of trouble. Yeah, you might get out of trouble with him, but now you're in trouble with God. I tell you what, friend, it's a better way to go is to be in trouble with you than be in trouble with God. Just tell the truth. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Well, because you haven't have a changed will. See, when you get resurrected with Christ, you have a changed will, and you're not going to lie. And when you do lie, you get right with God on it. Amen? And so we find this morning of the intent to deceive in any way. In any case, they say that a, a half-truth is a whole lie. We find this morning... Uh, the next is this. He, he says there in verse 10. Well, I'm sorry, verse 9. It says, have put off the old man with his deed. That was the will of the changed is to put off or take off or remove itself and not do as I used to do. Let's read that again. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. In other words, before I was resurrected with Christ, 
I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. But now since I'm resurrected with Christ, I will not be or do that. I will not take on the deeds of the old man. My will's changed. I will not do that. This morning, I think we need some folks to get resurrected with Christ, don't you? Because there's many who's prayed, and there's many who's joined, and there's many who has all the cookie cut out of a Christian. Uh, they have the looks, they have the mind, they have the haircut, they have the, the, the things about them. They say this, they say that, they memorize this, they memorize that. They got a lot of the stories, they got a lot of the education or, or knowledge, and they have some kind of history and even some kind of experience with this thing called Christianity, but they just don't have a changed body nor will. And all it boils down to, if you then be risen with Christ, and now. Amen. It just goes together, right? I mean, you, just can't, con you can't disconnect what I'm saying this morning in the way of getting by. So I say to you, your body's changed, your will is changed, and then thirdly, your spirit changed. Verse 9 and verse 10, it says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in in all. Number one, in your spirit that's changed is to put on and put off. That's your spirit. Put on, put off. We find in verse nine, you put off the old man. We find in verse 10, you put on the new man. That word put off means leave behind. That word new man, uh, it means put on, means staying in or remaining. And all that you're saying it is, it's an indication this morning when it says to put off and to put on. If you study the Greek verse and the Greek word of that and the, the tense of it, you'll find that it indicates a once and for all action. So when you put off, you do it once for all. And then when you put on, you do it once for all. This is not a daily put on and put off, put on and put off, put on and put off. That's not the Christian life. That's not the resurrected life. The resurrected life is you put off once for all. You put on once for all. So what do you put on in the way of a changed spirit? Well, the Bible says there uh, that you're going to put on and then you're going to put out and put in. What the Bible teaches there in verse 12, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, we find that you're going to be renewed. Renewed, you see that there in, in the verse 10, put on the new man which is renewed, spiritually alive, revived, spiritually moved. And when that new spirit or that spirit that's changed, you're going to find that you're going to now be quality and freshness and new. Talk about a new spirit now. See, before you was resurrected with Christ, your spirit was dead. But now you're resurrected with Christ, your spirit is alive, renewed. And because of that, there's three words that will describe you because Christ is in you. How do we know Christ is in us? Well, look there in verse 11. But the last portion of it. But Christ is all and in all. All right? So when you get resurrected with Christ, Christ is in you. Because Christ is in you, you now become the elect of God. So what it says there in verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God. It don't say put on the elect of God. In other words, it's like you have a choice to put on the elect of God. It says put on as the elect of God. In other words, you're already the elect of God, so put on. So once because Christ is in you, that's what it tells us in verse 11, we find now that because of being renewed, our spirit is now changed, and that now we are the elect of God. But now we are the holy of God. Right? That's what it's saying. And so we find ourselves the beloved of God. Because Christ is in us. Outside of being resurrected with Christ, you're not the elect of God. And you're not the beloved of God. And you're not the holy of God. 
But because of the resurrection with Christ, we find Christ in us now, and that Christ in us has now made us different. The Spirit has changed. And because Christ is in us, we find that Christ comes out of us. The Bible says, put on. What are we going to put on? Well, verse 12 says, put on the bowels of mercy. That word bowels is, means the inward part. It means that the mercy that you're going to have is a mercy that has been generated from the inside of you in a deep way. That's the Spirit of God that's in you. Christ is in you. And because of Christ is in you, because Christ is merciful, you'll be merciful. I'm talking about the resurrection. I'm talking about living a life that you put on and you put off. I'm talking about a life that's changed that you put in and you put out. Put out. You're going to put out the bowels of mercy because Christ is merciful and he's in you. Number two, not only will you put, will you give forth the bowels of mercy, but you'll find that you'll have kindness in verse 12 because Christ is kind. You're not kind because you're kind. If you're anything, you're unkind. But because Christ is in you and you've got a new spirit now, the spirit has changed, and that spirit brings forth a kindness because Christ is kind. Let's get this straight now. It ain't about you. It's about Christ in you. And because Christ is in you, Christ will come out of you. And kindness will come out of you. This is a resurrected one who's been resurrected with Christ, you'll be kind. You'll have the bowels of mercy. Number three, you'll have humility or you'll be humble. Because the Bible says that he was humble, the humbleness of mind. Friend, ain't nobody in this room before you were resurrected with Christ was humble. You were full of pride, ego, arrogancy, the audacity. But now, since Christ is in you, because you've been resurrected with Christ, that you have put in, and now you're putting out, you're putting out humility. Right? The humbleness of mind. And it's not about me. It's not how I feel. It's not about, about what matters to me, what I get out of it. See, those don't even enter into a mind of one who's been resurrected with Christ. It's humility. It's a place of, of being, a place of just being, man, you know what? I know what I am. So you have a humility toward each other, humility about yourself. We find here thirdly, or not thirdly, but fourthly, about meekness. The Bible says in verse 12, meekness. And so we have the meekness because he is meek. Now, what is meekness? A lot of people say meekness is weakness, Right? But I tell you what meekness is. Meekness is power under control. Yeah, power under control. That's what meekness is. And you'll be meek. In other words, somebody come to you and say something to you. And you, you have the whole story. You got the whole truth. They're kind of giving you half the truth. Instead of you just wringing their neck. And, and instead of you just taking them and throwing them down and putting your foot on their throat. And instead of you just uh, telling them exactly how it is and how it's going to be. You're going to show some uh, meekness. You got the power to hurt them. You got the power to destroy them. You got the power to make sure that they'll never do that again. But with the control that you have of yourself, you don't do that. You talk with love. You have compassion. You show forth mercy. And you say, listen, what you're saying is not all that true. Let me help you and give you the truth of the matter. I'm just saying meekness today, power under control. And the reason why we could have meekness is because Jesus is meek. And the reason why this morning that you and I can put out anything is because it was put in in us. And in case every verse 13, the Bible says, verse 12, the Bible talks about long-suffering. We have long-suffering because he, Jesus, is long-suffering. So he put in because of him, and we can put out because of him. That we have long-suffering with each other. That we don't have a short fuse. That we're not impatient. That we're going to wait. Does that describe you? 
or are you like, you want something done right now? Like, man, I tell you what, I ain't got no patience. Man, don't go around saying that. You know, the Bible says that tribulation worketh patience. If you got, hey, if you got some lack of patience in your life, let me know, and I'll pray that God will help your patience, and he's just going to bring a bunch of tribulations in your life. That'll get you patient. But, friend, long-suffering. Long-suffering is exactly what it says. I'm going to suffer long. I'm going to suffer long with my children. I'm going to suffer long with my spouse. I'm going to suffer long in my condition. I'm just going to be long-suffering. Why would you do that? Because Christ in me. I don't want to, but Christ in me. Amen. I'm talking about a changed spirit. A spirit this, this evening, that's, this morning, that's changed. And then he goes in verse 13, forbearing one another. We have forbearance because he is forbearing. That word forbear means endure. I can't live with her no more. I can't stand him no more. Brother, I can't do this no more. I got to go. I can't handle that no more. Man, listen, I, I, I've done enough. And I've tried my best, and I did all that I could do, and, and I've tried to go the extra mile, and I tried to turn the cheek, and I tried to do whatever it was to do. I just can't run this road no more. I can't go that far no more. I'm done. That's not the resurrected one. Jesus is the one who has forbearance. And because he does, we do. Enduring. Enduring. Verse 13 tells us as well, he says, forgiving one another. If any have, man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Forgiving. That's a problem with some of you. You walk around with a smile on your face. You walk around like everything's okay. But really, down deep in your heart, you have unforgiveness. You will not let it go. You will not just say, I forgive you. I pardon you. I let it go. It does not affect me at midnight. It does not affect me at 3 o'clock in the day. What you said, what you did, how you behaved, where you went, where you didn't go, all those things that would bring forth a hurt to me or a pain to me or a suffering to me. Listen, I forgive you and I'll never bring it back up. I forgive you and I'll never hold you against again. I will never keep you at length arms because of what you did and I said to you, I forgive you. Some of y'all have problems with that. You haven't forgiven. And that's why there's jealousy in your life. That's why uh, there's no no rejoicing in your heart and that's why there's worry all about you and that's why there's anxiety and that's why friend that you find yourself in depression it's because not of everybody else but because of you and unforgiveness unforgiveness will lead to bitterness and bitterness will destroy you and those around you according to scripture you better get that right if you're going to be the one who's risen with christ you're going to forgive others. Why? Because Christ forgave you. Amen. And you can't look at somebody in the face and say, you know what? I'm not going to forgive you. You can't do that. Not as a resurrected Savior. Not when we're with Christ, right? You cannot. Because if you're resurrected with Christ, you've been forgiven. And you can't look somebody else in the face and say, I won't forgive you. Or you say, I do forgive you, but you really don't forgive them because your life does not reveal peace and joy and rest with God. You have inner turmoil. You're always in the place of looking and pointing and accusing. You're always questioning. You're always asking, where you been? Where you been doing? Why you been there? Why'd you go that way? Why'd you sit there? Why'd you go that road? Why'd you go that restaurant? Why you, What? Friend, you just need to be saved because the resurrected with Christ, friend, will not put out that. Lastly, in verse 14, and above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. We have love because he is loving. Amen. We find this morning that we can love you 
And you can love me because Christ loved you. That's right. Yeah. This morning, we're not perfect. Ain't nobody in this room right here. You just do everything right all the time. There's nobody in this room here. If we'd study your life and go to your home and watch you at work and, and uh, watch you as you go around and doing your thing and living your life, every one of us tonight could make a list of things that we could say, boy, bad attitude. Oh, that wasn't the right thing to say. Oh, no, you're not listening to the right music there. Oh, yeah, you've been watching now. We can make a list of things of all that's going on. But, friend, what we're told to do as being risen with Christ is to love. Is to love. Right? Love. If you love me, you'll come to me and tell me where I have offended you. You'll come to me and tell me, listen, Brother Larry, I, I think you're doing that and it's not the right thing to do. And if I'm doing wrong, if you love me, you'd come to me and say, listen, you're doing wrong. If you love me, you'll come with the right spirit. You'll come with me in love. And you'll come with me because you do love me. Now, if you see me going out into the world and living a life that's not of God and you don't say nothing to me, you don't love me. Whom God loves, he chastens. If you see me this morning doing something that's not godly or ungodly, and you keep on letting me do it without warning me or without uh, telling me or rebuking me or reproving me, then you don't love me. I say to you, friend, one thing about a resurrected, one who's been resurrected with Christ is one who loves. They love unconditional. You don't have to fit their groove. You don't have to meet their criteria. I love you anyway. There's been so many times that I've told people through the years, if you never come back here, if you never, if I never see you again, you'll never stop me from loving you. I love you. I love you. And this morning I pray that because you've been resurrected with Christ, you have a new body. You've got a new will, and you've got a new spirit. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. So I guess the question might be, is, is it important? You better believe it. Does it matter? You better know it. Does it affect? Boy, it sure does. I would not leave out of here this morning unless I knew for sure without a shadow of a doubt that I've been risen with Christ. I would start in chapter 3 of Colossians in verse 1 and start right there. If ye then be risen with Christ. If ye then be risen with Christ. Is that you? Is that you? There's some have come this morning. Would you come? Well, let's do business this morning with God. Can you imagine if we all made it all right with God? The movement. God coming about in this place in our lives, changing our homes, changing our marriages, changing our church. Well, I want it. I do. I really do. You sing, Brother George. A resurrected life. Is that you? Come on. Let's just do business with the Father. Yes, Lord, come. Won't you come and be saved this morning? You know you're not resurrected with Christ. You know that. And you're going to die and go to hell. And then in hell, one day you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. And in the lake of fire, you'll be with the Antichrist and the beast and the false prophet. And all others who've denied and rejected and refused Christ for all of eternity. Is it worth it? Is it worth it, Father? Is it worth it, dear friend? Is it worth it, mother? Is it worth it, dear child? Dear teenager, is it worth it? Won't you come this morning? Won't you come and be resurrected? Resurrected with Christ. Come, I beg you. I cry, I plead. If I could, I'd come down here and grab you by the hand. 
and bring you to Christ. But I can't. Our children need to be saved. Our grandchildren need to come and to be risen with Christ. Our family, our friends, Jesus is coming. It's just a matter of time now. A few days out. Eventually it's going to be a few hours out. And then a few minutes out. And then he comes. Have you been risen with Christ? Father, I come to you in Jesus' name this morning. Lord, I pray that you have spoke to our hearts and you've moved in our lives today. I know you have mine. God, I ask you, Lord, that you'd work as we leave, we go home. I pray the Spirit of God would continue to deal with the hearts of those that your God just didn't make that choice today, just didn't make that decision. Pray you wouldn't leave them alone. God, we're talking about eternity. We're praying for those who did make choice this morning. God, you bless them. God, you empower them. You anoint them. God, that they would begin to live that resurrected life that brings joy and pleasure, that brings rest and peace. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd just move them in such a way that their home, their marriage, their heart, their church, God, will never be the same. God, please, I beg you today, revive us and refresh us and renew us. We beg you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless the church. All right, buddy. Come on to